0: Welcome to Talk About Town, a podcast about real estate and some other stuff. And now, your hosts, Mal and Neil. Hey, how's it going, everybody? It is episode 24 of Talk About Town. Um, a little different today. Um, Malachi is tied up this week, and I have a guest host with me. He is a friend of the show, though. His name is? Jeremy Judah. Of?
1: Smith & Wilson Realty.
0: I like it. Uh, Jeremy is, um, he works in our brokerage as well, but he's also a good friend. So uh, while we miss Mal, and I hope he is listening to this today um, so that he can keep up with us, um, he's just tied up and wasn't able to be with us today. So um, here's to Mal. And uh, we'll we'll have you back in your seat soon.
1: Yes, hopefully I uh, can fill the void. Do a uh, admirable job filling in for for Mal, although he can never actually be replaced, right? He cannot be. There's replaced. only one Mal.
0: There's only one Mal. That is correct. Um. So anyway, so uh, middle of November, uh, big time in Louisville in real estate in in just life it's kind of holiday time um y'all have big like thanksgiving things you do
1: yeah do the double thanksgiving um so we do one with uh my family in the afternoon and then we do with my wife's family in the evening so um after so you that you're just consume just- about 4000 calories that day yeah, I usually only get one plate at each, but I'm still so full. I, I guess uh, just the things you're eating, you know, stuffing and mashed potatoes. And <laughs> all this, I don't, I don't generally eat a lot of turkey, but it's it's the sides that fill you up, and I, you know, so it's a pretty hefty plate, probably like two pound plate each. You know, nice.
0: <laughs> I wasn't huge into turkey until I did my first smoked turkey. I would like that. Yeah, it. Um, you'll have to try it. Jeremy actually just lives down the street from me as well, so. Maybe I can throw him some turkey. One year after I became the owner of a smoker, we bought the big turkey, and we did it traditional like I always do, and my sister-in-law had a small turkey that she got for uh, from work or something, and I was like, well, you know what? I'm going to experiment, and I'll try smoking that turkey, and basically, long story short, at the end of the day, everyone wanted the smoked turkey. And the roasted turkey was kind of a letdown.
1: Yeah, it's um, you know what well we uh, you know Neil also is is the wing guy, and so we had some smoked wings yesterday from his smoker. It's hard to go wrong with smoked meat, you know. In general, big barbecue fan, you know things like that.
0: It it's uh it's delicious and it's very forgiving too. You know your window of opportunity is very large. Yeah. So it's it's hard to uh overcook it.
1: It's hard to overcook it you know? to slow overcook and it. slow. It's the name of the game.
0: Yep. Low and slow. That is the tempo.
1: What about you? What are your holiday plans?
0: Well, um, we usually host At least Thanksgiving, uh, I should Thanksgiving, yes. Well actually, um, next week and I guess we'll have uh, an episode that comes out right before this, but I'm I'm going out of town to San Antonio it's like a conference kind of thing that I'm doing. Um, so that kind of, I don't know, that shuts down holiday stuff for me for, for that weekend. And then I will be back and then it's basically Thanksgiving preparation. And we host, we have, uh, my dad and stepmom and my wife's family and all her siblings and, um, Smoke a turkey and have a bunch of stuff, and and uh, it's really good. And since we did that addition to our house, it's very uh, hospitable, yeah, conducive for entertaining for yes. sure. Because we, w- we hosted before, and I had this tiny little kitchen with no prep space, makes and, it uh, tough,
1: yeah. yeah. It was not cool that way. Yeah, so we go to my aunt and uncle's house um, for actual Thanksgiving dinner or lunch. We have it's like at one o'clock usually, and then. Um, we're supposed to be over at, it. uh, it's a friend of the family, my wife's family, um, and we're usually there about 5 30. So, not, not a huge window in between, but enough time where you can, you know, legitimately have two meals. And the, the, they don't eat right away, you know, there's a lot of gathering. My, my family is like, you show up, you eat, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's kind of the way my family works. But, uh, my mother in law, like her, the way they do it, um, just in general, when you go over to dinner at their house, they say to be there at six, you probably not eat until eight. <laughs> oh, but they always have snacks out. They always have things that you can. Uh, so generally by the time the actual food arrives, I'm like full, but um, you know, I have this disease. I always say uh, it's called eat what you put in front of me. itis. <laughs> um, but I'm a, I'm a grazer, you know, so if the food's out, I'm going to eat it. Um, it's just kind of the nature of it. But, um, you know, holidays are fun. I know that they can be a stressful time for a lot of people. Um, for a lot of people, it's a time where you kind of, it can be, can be difficult because you're remembering those that aren't with us. Um, but you know, try to, you know, try to be in the moment. And especially when you have kids, it's just, you know, there's, there's a lot of just, I don't know that, that innocence, you know, and you want to preserve that for as long as you can. And, um, you know, they, they get so excited and, you know so it's it's definitely a lot more stressful than it was when i was when i was a kid you know you realize that you're the one that has to get the presents and you know make the planning provide a dish whatever um but but i really do enjoy the holidays i'm I've, i always have and you know like i said it can be stressful but but um i appreciate the togetherness i, I do love my family um they drive me crazy but i do love them <laughs> you know
0: Well, that's a good, uh, it's a good point that you say, you know, it's, uh, it can be difficult for some people and it's actually a perfect segue for something I was going to talk about, um, on my real estate page on Facebook, um, look for it. I think I'm going to shoot it this weekend. I'm going to do a large gift card drawing, um, for, um, to, to bless somebody for the holiday season, basically. Um, the way it's gonna work is. Oh, uh,
1: that is nice. That is it, very nice.
0: Well, the way it's gonna work is, I'm gonna solicit nominations for people that need some help, and I'm gonna keep it. It's gonna be direct message only. And I'm gonna keep it completely anonymous, and and we're gonna make somebody's holidays a lot better. And it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. I'm actually I'm looking forward to it.
1: That is really good. And especially, you know, just knowing that you're in a position to be able to do that. Um, you know, and it's, you, you really, it, it never ceases to amaze me how a small gesture can go so far, you know, and I know that's, it sounds cliche, but it's true. I mean, you you know, just, just doing a little thing for someone can really, um, you know, change the impact of, I mean, their day, their week, whatever. I mean, it's, 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 um, you know, like, it, and it's, it's, it really is a good thing to do, to give back when you have the opportunity to do it.
0: It really is good. Uh, and, you know, small gestures, like, I don't know. I, I know that none of us, none of us does this on our own, you right. know, um, and we forget that we're all connected sometimes. Um, we get real busy at the holidays and all the time, really. And we, we forget we're, we're all we're all connected, and we we all get help from other people at different times in our lives.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it's always important, I think, to show compassion for others, but especially this time of year, um, because you, it's just easy to take it for granted. You know, when you when you have everything that you need and more, um, you know, like I said, and I try to teach my kids that. You know, like it just it's just the value of what you have. You know, like to have people that are always there in your life. People that are there. I mean, you know, like, like, um, I mean, there's so many kids that are in elementary school that, um, or school in general that don't have, you know, a supportive background, a supportive Mm -hmm. family. And, um, you know, I mean, there's reason that there's blessings in the backpack. Like our kids go to a school where every kid gets free lunch if they want it. Um, and it's, you know, and I try to, you know, just kind of make my kids aware of these things and how much they really do have. Cause they are spoiled. Um, we do, <laughs> you know, they, they get everything that they, they need and most of what they want, but, um, you know, I want them to be good, well-rounded people that appreciate the fact that not everyone is like them, you know, not everybody has it so easy. And, um, but yeah, I mean, just to, to be able to give back at, at a, at a time like this is, it really is a good thing, and I appreciate what you're doing.
0: Well, thank you. No uh, problem. I think it's, it, uh, it will be good for, for everybody. And, and um, you know, we're, we're trying to exercise the giving muscle in our kids, too. Um, we're kind of putting together a plan that we haven't implemented yet, but we're about to where part of our just regular giving and donation is going to be kind of directed by our kids, and they are even talking about, um, putting like a YouTube thing together for it. And, uh, on one thought I was like, you don't want to be like, look at me, look at what, how awesome we are giving away. But what they were kind of, they, they're like, no, but it encourages other people to do the same. And it gets people excited about helping other people. And I'm like, you can't argue with that.
1: Right. Well, I mean, and you know, I mean, I know you well enough to know that you're not doing any of this stuff for personal gain recognition you know, it's just, it's just something that it's the right thing to do. It's something that you feel compelled to do. And, um, I think anytime that you can give back, whether it's volunteering or whatever, um, if you're doing it for personal gain or be, you know, to fill some void in your life, I mean, I mean, everybody wants to feel good to help other people when that, I mean, I assume that that's the main reason that people want to help out. But, but, um, when I see people that are just posting about all their volunteer work and all these good, you know, like, um, it, it is good from the aspect that yes, you're, you're creating awareness, but when you're doing it just to kind of toot your own horn, um, that's the wrong message. I yeah. mean, that, you know, you gotta, you gotta do it because it's the right thing to do. Um, not because you're going to gain something from it other yeah. than just personal satisfaction.
0: Is that like virtue signaling or something when you're like, uh, giving money to a homeless guy and taking a selfie of it kind of yeah. stuff.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, and I, like I said, I, I am, a you know, I, you know, I do some volunteer work and I um, I generally don't talk a lot about it or make a big deal out of it, but there have been some times where I've posted videos for um, one of the companies that I volunteer for um, just to, you know, just to say, hey, they need more volunteers and just to make people aware. But, but I, you know, I, I really don't do it so that people will say, oh, look at all the volunteer work Jeremy's doing, you know, it's just because um, if, if that's the reason you're doing it, then then you shouldn't, well, I won't say you shouldn't be doing it because you still should do it, but uh, it, it's, you know, it's not the, it's not the right motivation, in my
0: opinion. It's not as genuine. Right. Right. Um, so, yeah.
1: One, one quick mention, just a little shout out. Today is November 14th as we're recording, um, and it is my seven-year-old's birthday, so he turned seven today. Happy birthday, Jacob. Happy birthday, Jacob. Yeah.
0: All right. Um, so we, we, uh, do bill ourselves as real estate and other stuff. So we're going to touch on some real estate stuff here for a little bit. Um, the kind of the numbers and the way the market is going is something we, we do on the regular. And then there's, um, an interesting article that, uh, Jeremy brought to us to, uh, discuss, uh, from the New York times and, um, the numbers. So, um, um, you really, you know, you get a different picture if you look really short range versus really long range. Um, I was looking kind of year to date on 2019 compared to year to date 2018, uh, being that solds are up and down depending on the area year to date. There are some areas where they're up, there's some areas where they're down.
1: Yeah. And that's, you know, Fairly typical, I would, I would say, but, um, you know, the, people think of this as the kind of the, the quote unquote slow time, but I always think it's, you know, it, it's a, it's a great time to list your house. You know, it's a great time to buy. I mean, you have, because a lot of people have that same mindset. So you, you often have less competition, you know, fewer people competing um, and, you know, like if you have a need now, there's no reason to wait till spring, you know, there's no, there's not a lot of evidence that says you're gonna get more money. Um, you know, that you're gonna sell faster. Uh, Neil mentioned that the overall absorption rate, which is if you weren't to if you were to not list another house, how long it would take to sell all the houses in, in our MLS, uh, GLAR, which greater local association of realtors, two point nine, um, two point nine months. So that that's that's still a very strong quote unquote seller's market. But um, as we're looking here, interest rates three point seven five percent for thirty year fixed mortgage. I mean, that's ridiculously low. Yeah,
0: and for for FHA three point one two five. Right. FHA a lot of times um, carries a PMI private mortgage insurance for the life of the loan, so you don't pay exactly that low, but it is still ridiculously low.
1: Right. And so if you're looking at it. Ultimately, you know, most people when they're buying a house are payment buyers. So sometimes it will make sense because the rate is so much lower to go FHA as opposed to conventional. Um, I generally have the feeling that if you can go conventional, you want to go conventional. But um, there are a whole lot more ways to buy a house, a whole lot more opportunities to buy houses um, now than there were 10 years ago, 12 years ago, 20 years ago. Um, So many more programs. You don't have to have 20% down. You can have virtually no money down. Um, there's actually, a, I know a company that has a um, a program that's that's specific for like service industry professionals, like uh, people that work for tips. Um, you know, bartenders, servers, and you you can use um, bank statements to kind of justify your loan amount. So you know, a lot of people think that you know they're waiting tables. You might be making forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year waiting tables, but You know a lot of that is undocumented and so if you can show that with bank statements then you might be able to get a loan you know i mean it's it's like i said there are some additional well i didn't mention it but there there are some additional hurdles that we have to overcome now since 2008 because of the predatory lending where people were taking advantage of of people and just and just you know writing every deal but um but there's there's just more opportunity than there ever has been. Uh, on the flip side of that, where you can, like I said, more programs, more incentive to buy, um, and so if you're thinking about it and you didn't didn't know or don't know if you can, um, you know, talk to us, hit us up. I mean, because I mean, uh, you know, the purpose of this podcast is, you know, we talk about it. I mean, yeah, we, we do talk real estate. We're not really trying to just sell a whole bunch of real estate by doing this podcast, but. Um, just to know, like, yes, you have us. You have other people out there that are industry professionals that can kind of guide you in the right direction. Because there's a lot of people out there that are paying a thousand dollars in rent when they may be able to buy, it but don't even know it.
0: Yeah. Well, um, a lot of people think, well, you know, I don't have my stuff together yet. I better not call anybody. Um, we help get your stuff together too. So don't think that you have to have all your quote unquote ducks in a row before you reach out to somebody for help you know we have uh, lending partners that I send to and they say oh you're good to go or they say if you do x y and z you'll be good to go in this many days or whatever you know it's they they help and they look at, at your situation and you know you don't necessarily decide oh i want to do this loan program a good lender will look at your situation and say this is the best route for you
1: right and it you know there's not a whole lot of black and white in the real estate industry there's a lot of gray But one thing that's pretty clear is, I mean, when you talk to a lender, they're going to tell you exactly what they need from you to get you approved for a loan. Um, And so, you know, they're going to help you get organized. And so if you, you know, there are some people out there that like, you know, they do a lot of research and they're like, yes, I need all these things. And that's great for the lender. Um, It's great for your real estate agent. But if you're one of those less organized people, which I think a lot of us are, you know, you've got a lot going on in your life and you need to be told exactly what is needed. It's, it's. You know it may take a little bit of time to organize it all to obtain it all but but just having that list having that kind of checklist to know okay i need to get bank statements and and my um, w-2s you know my my tax forms all those things i need all of these things um in order to be able to buy once you have that you know kind of knowledge you're you're prepared and, and it's it's really not that hard of a process um i mean you know in terms of just getting ready to buy and you know they can they can take some basic information and tell you you know what they, they may think but they're going to have a much better idea if you can get yourself all together and like i said and like neil mentioned if you don't have it all together now it doesn't mean that you can't get it together pretty easily
0: yeah well and sometimes it varies i had a guy um, that was interested in buying he I hooked him up with the lender and he said well it's his credit score that's keeping him right now. But literally if he opens a credit card in 30 days, he'll be good to go because they know, you know, the credit score is like the, the wizard of Oz behind this thing, pulling all these levers. And This one means more and this factor is more and less. And, but they, they have a pretty good understanding and they know, Hey, if you do this, it's going to boost your score by a whole bunch.
1: Yeah. I mean, and you know, it, it may be, in your best interest to get your credit score up a little um, before you know, just to get your things in order before you're going to buy. But don't think that you have to have a 750 credit score to buy a house. Um, there are lenders that will lend as, for as little as 550. We don't really promote that. Um, I got I got to say as a caveat. But but if you got a credit score in the in the mid sixes, you can definitely buy a house. Oh yeah, um, for sure. You know, I mean, unless you have, you know. A recent bankruptcy or some other issues that are going on. But, but, um, for the most part, I mean, if you, if you, you know, have generally paid your bills on time and you got a pretty decent credit score, um, you have a decent income, um, you can, you can buy a house.
0: Yeah. And, uh, and one thing when I, where I was looking at those numbers too, um, the average sales price is up a little bit.
1: Year to date, you mean?
0: Year to date. Mm-hmm. And that gives people a little pause sometimes. They're like, Oh, well it's not a good time to buy it. But the economic forces in the whole thing often mean that when the prices are up a little bit, the rates are going to be low. So you're, the money that you save through rate maybe goes a little bit towards a homeowner instead of the opposite where if prices are low and rates are higher and that little bit extra you pay is going to a bank.
1: Well, you got to think about this too, I mean, in Louisville specifically, average appreciation is 3 to 5% every year. So... You know it's like well i'm gonna wait until prices go back down well that's probably not gonna happen you know history tells us that homes tend to appreciate and so you know you if you can take advantage of a 3.75 percent interest rate um and you're in the market you're considering it i mean you know only you can decide when to pull the trigger but there's waiting for it to to go down or for the market to shift people always talk about that i just you know, like the need is now. So if you have the need now, then, then that's the time to act. Uh, You know, interest rates when my parents bought their first house was 17, 18%, you know, (laughs) Um, from a historical perspective, 3.75% is about as, you know, I mean, it's historically low, but you know, even if it was 5%, you know, if the need is now, I mean, that's still a very, very low rate from a historical perspective. So you just got to, you got to keep those things in mind again, keep it in perspective because it's, it's the market is fluid. It's ever changing and um, waiting may not always be in your best interest. I, I always tell my buyers and my sellers, you know, like there's no pressure from me, you know, but you have the need and the market is ultimately going to dictate that need more for you than, than me. And so, um, but you can't, you can't always predict it. And yeah. So, I mean, if you, if you to, just to beat this to death, I mean, if you have a <laughs> need now, then that's the time to act, you know, it's not, you know, like, oh, it might change or the rates are going to go down again or what, you know, like it is what it is, well, you know.
0: And and the, the supply and demand kind of thing, you know, it comes into that need. For instance, uh, when we bought the house that we live in five and a half years ago, we were, it was the house. You know, sometimes you look at like, you know, a handful of houses with some people And they're like, well, I like this one, but this one had this and this one had this. And they kind of prioritize and say, well, we'll try this one. And ours, it was this house based on a number of factors. Yeah. And so we weren't looking for a deal. We were looking to get this house.
1: Yeah. Same, same with me. I mean, we bought our house right around the corner from Neil, and it just, it was neighborhood we wanted to be in and it had most of the things we were looking for and, and, um, it really motivated us to, to do, we had to do to, to get that house. So, um, you know, being a realtor, it's, you think that we always have it all together, you know, (laughs) but it's, but I mean, we, we had not, we did not have our house on the market. We were, you know, kind of trying to find a buyer through other resources and doing, um, you know, like we weren't really pushing it because we didn't, we didn't have the house, you know, but then when we saw that house, we're like, you know, and we didn't want anybody else to get it. So we were, we were motivated. And, um, so whatever your motivation is, bottom line is it's, it, it's never the right time is, is now the right time is when you decide it's the right time. It's not, it's not, um, you know, like we need to wait for this to change or that to change again. The right time is when you have that need. Yeah, definitely.
0: I think there's a lot of insight to that where, um, you know, I I do work with some people that um, the exact price is irrelevant. And I work with some, you know, some people are like, oh, we need to get a deal. And unfortunately, in the way the market's been lately, deal is kind of in quotes right now.
1: Right. I always say you got to find value within the marketplace. Yeah, I like that. And I think you can do that in any market, you know, so. So again, and, and the value isn't always price, it's it's what it means to you. And um, in a situation where, you know, like for us, I mean, I, I definitely don't think that we really overpaid for our house, but it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't a great quote-unquote deal, but it was, it was a house, again, in the neighborhood where we wanted to be, that suited our family's needs. Um, and, you know, it was, we didn't want to quote-unquote wait for the right thing to come along, you know, or the next best thing or whatever. I mean, this, this one, it was, we really, we really liked the house and we paid, you know, what we felt was market value for it. But, um, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, we didn't, we didn't get, you know, a quote unquote discount. I mean, it was, you know, that's just kind of the reality of real estate too. I mean, it's, you know, like, there's a lot of people out there that are looking for deals, you know, and, and I think again, you got to find that value, you know, and value can be price, but it can also be, um, it can also be just, you know, what it means to you and your family's needs. Um, I think, uh, you know, in this market too, like we've seen things move so fast. So when we see a house that sits, we're like, well, what's wrong with it? You know? What, true. and a lot of times it just comes down to price or it could be you know could be a relatively minor thing that's holding it up um, and so sometimes you can some, find some value there where like when there's the house that hits that everybody wants and there's five or six offers right away that's probably not gonna be a great deal you know I mean people are overpaying for houses it definitely is happening um, well and maybe a little less so um, towards the second half of the year than it was at the beginning of the year hmm but um, if you see a house that's been on the market you know, a month, six months, um, doesn't mean you have to immediately discard it. You know, it, it just, it, it's, I always tell people it's worth seeing in person, you know, and, and, um, I mean, that's why, that's why I have inspections, we have all those things, because everybody has reservations. And buying a house is obviously a, a big decision, your largest investment, as we always say. Um, but it really is an investment, you know, the, the vast majority of the time, as we discussed earlier, is property values are going to go up. They're not going to go down. And yeah, I'm a, I'm a I'm a big believer in you know again mentioning it again as the now you know and and not waiting for the quote unquote right time. Right.
0: Well, uh, I like that you know act according to your needs. Right. Uh. And then so so moving along, um, we had we were looking at this article. From the New York Times recently, um, the title of the article is "How to Get a Better Deal from a Real Estate Agent," and we were reading it, and there was um, there's kind of some um truths and myths all wound together, uh, in the article, and I thought it was pretty interesting. Kind of the the premise is, um, it's talking about buyers agents, which both Jeremy and I. And Malachi, we do both buyers and sellers. But it was specifically buyers agents and talking about getting them to do some discount on the portion that they take, which is normally paid by the seller.
1: Right. Yes, correct. I mean I I have I have some issues with the article. Um, you know, I I guess I have some bias being a realtor, but you know, it talks about um you may only do a few dozen hours of work, you know, as a realtor. And I, and I think that that's really short sighted, you know, like for one transaction, you only, you may only do a few dozen hours of work and it talks a lot about most of their time is spent prospecting, you know, for quote unquote, new business. And I mean, I, again, I just have a lot of problems with that. I mean, cause I I think that the vast majority of what realtors do beyond just working a transaction is building relationships and, and there may not be "Quote unquote value to the customer in that, but that's that's what you know. That's that's our incentive. Our incentive is is to is to work and work and work and work with not not so much for new business from people that we don't know, but our sphere, the people that we do know, so that we can get that repeat business, the referral business, um, so that we can really grow our business. And and the time and effort that that takes to to nurture those relationships." Um, you know we don't get paid unless we sell something it's easy to um, discount or well discounts kind of the name of the article but but to uh, I don't know I think it's difficult to understand if you if you haven't done it you know I'm <clears throat> working with no safety net you know hundred percent commission and you know like often as Realtors we're not really considered true professionals you know, you think of your doctor as a professional, a lawyer as a professional. You wouldn't ask them to discount their services. You, would, you wouldn't you say to your lawyer, hey, I, I know your retainer fee is 600 but would you do it for 350 <laughs> You know, it, it doesn't generally work that way. They tell you to find another lawyer um, or your doctor's office. You know, and a lot of times you got insurance that pays, but you say, well, I don't really want to pay this full copay. I'm just going to pay half. Is that okay? Um, it, it doesn't work that way. And, and there are a lot of realtors in this business that... Um, you know, there are, it's saturated. There's a ton of us. I get it. But for those of us that have proven our value time and time again as true professionals, I feel like we're worth what we get, you know? And, and you may work with somebody for months and before they buy, or months and months and have them not buy, or years. years. Literally years. Yeah. I mean, and so it's.
0: Well, yeah. and here's one thing, too. <coughs> Excuse me. Years ago, the MLS, the listings, were kept by realtors. If you wanted to see what's on the market, you had to call a realtor or drive around and look for signs. And they were a gatekeeper to the data and the information. And the internet has changed that model now. And so a lot of people have this idea of like, oh, hey, I can do all this myself. So a lot of what you're paying for is expertise from, from the realtor. Um, you know, yes, I could do, I could do surgery myself as well. Um, but what I'm paying for for the doctor is the doctor knows how to do it. Right. Um, that kind of stuff. And, and I think this is a pretty, pretty crazy stat right here. Um, for sale by owners account for seven percent of home sales. This is two thousand seventeen. The typical for sale by owner home sold for two hundred thousand dollars, compared to two hundred and sixty five five for agent assisted home sales. Right. So
1: they almost always sell faster and for more money.
0: Exactly. And that sometimes saving you, whatever the percentages that you're paying your agent. You're sa- sure you're going to save that commission, but you're going to give up some multitude of of money that you left on the table that far outweighs the
1: commission, right? The vast majority of the time, it's, I mean, you know, you, you made the point about the surgeon. always use a lawyer, you know, you wouldn't represent yourself in court, or at least most people wouldn't. Um, and, you know, again, people like to discount us as, you know, uh, true professionals or, you know, that we're providing a professional service, but. Um, I know that there are a lot of really good agents out there that take a lot of pride in what they do. You know, we have a quote unquote fiduciary responsibility. I take a lot of pride in that. Um, and, uh, and what's that mean? Fiduciary responsibility. I mean, it's our responsibility to look out for the best interests of others, you know, even over yourself, even over yourself. So you're acting as an agent, um, on their behalf and, you know, making making decisions on their behalf. Um, I mean, and I think a lot of times you get what you pay for, you know, I I talk about, you know, like the discount agent, you know, if in the article mentions that people are providing the same service and I just, I don't, there's no set commission rate. Let me, let me make that clear. Absolutely. there's, you know, there's antitrust laws that prevent set commission rates. So we may have a certain expectation. We may, you know, there may be, you know, something that we, Market forces
0: dictate what it generally right. is usually.
1: But but the article compares realtors to other goods and services like retail as opposed to other professionals. And that's my biggest problem with it. And, um, you know, you, like I say, I mean, you, you often give what you pay for. And, and I, I tell my agent, I tell my buyers, you know, I tell my sellers, I'm not going to stand in the way of you selling your house or getting the house that you want. But if I, if I discount up front, then I don't have anything else to give. You know, so if we're a few hundred dollars away on a deal or a thousand dollars away on a deal and I can give that to make sure that my client has a good experience and gets the house they want or sells the house they're trying to sell, you know, there's times I've done that and I'm willing to do that. But if my, if say my commission rate is 6% and I, I agree to sell your house for 5%, well there, there it goes, you know, there goes your discount. And so I, I can't, there goes the help that I could have provided, you know, cause, cause we know that buyers are looking for deals, you know? So if, if we're close and we can, and sometimes it's not even just the sale price, sometimes it's it's repairs, things like that. So, you know, if I have an opportunity to help, I can help. But if I've already discounted my services up front, it, it puts me in a much more difficult position. Uh, and, and, you know, like again, we have families to feed also, you know, we have things, you know, like this is what we do for a living. We don't get paid until it closes.
0: Right. And you know, you may pay 6% to an agent that works part time. You may pay 6% to an agent that works full time. And the, the expertise and the professionalism that you're getting for your 6%, it matters on who you choose because, you're not gonna get the same service from somebody who sells three houses a year that you are from somebody who does a bunch of volume.
1: Right. And I mean, you know, and and it really just comes down to to again, I always say trust relationship. That's that's what people value the most in their realtor, more so than how many houses they've sold or or their reputation or who knows them. It really comes down to they do they trust you. And the only way that you can build that trust is to earn it. And, and it's really important as an agent to put your client's interest first. So no matter how bad I need that commission, no matter what's going on, if it's in my, be- if it's in my client's best interest to get out of that deal, we're going to do what we can to get out of that deal or to move on, you know, cause it's just one deal isn't worth it. You know, it's not worth your license. It's not worth your, you know, like we have a code of ethics that we have to follow. Uh, I think that, like I said, I mean, the, my biggest complaint or biggest issue with that article um is is just that it it not just not just to discount our services in terms of price and value, it discounts our value as professionals. It discounts the role that we play. And um you know, I I think that most people when they do go out and do it on their own, most people that have done force of learn, um it, they they don't like it. <laughs> I mean, we coordinate everything. We, you know, we're, we're doing everything and not to mention, um, marketing and you know, the, the exposure that you get by working with an agent and the liability we take on the risk, we assume the risk. That's right. And that, and that maybe is the biggest thing right there is that, that, you know, we're taking the vast majority of the risk out of your hands and putting it on us. And, uh, and I think that they're I think that's worth something. You know, I think that there's definitely um, value to that. So, you know, again, I mean, people can charge what they want to charge for their real estate services, but um, if you have an agent that you like and they tell you what their commission rate is, you know, if they have a proven track record, if they, you know, if they're a referral from somebody that you know, it's, you know, shop around, feel free. But I I don't, I don't think that you're going to get generally better service from somebody who's just willing to do it for less money. You know, somebody who's quote unquote desperate for the business, um, is that you know, is that really the best route you want to go? And
0: if if they're gonna be so quick to discount, are they gonna fight for you and your interest in the transaction as hard too? Is that right. or are they just gonna say, eh, whatever?
1: You know, and we, we are full service agents and, you know, full service means that we are there from the beginning to the end, that we are handling Every aspect of the transaction, you're going to get um, professional marketing, professional photos. Um, we're handling all the listing appointments, all the showings, all the all the coordination of inspections and all those things. And it talks about that too in the article and says, oh, well, you know, there's just not much time involved in that." But like I said, there's so much more time that goes into building that relationship with someone than just the time that it takes to do the actual transaction
0: well and there are you know some transactions are very easy and some are not and do take a lot of hours right the thing is you don't know which one yours is
1: going to be right and i mean i i really believe that most people you know they're they're pretty happy when you sell your house when they help you sell your house quickly get you know help you get the money that you want or or you know, find a house that you're looking for, but they negotiate it, and you know, like on your behalf, and and help you get to the closing table. You know, get you in touch with with um, lending professionals, and you know, I, I just like I said, I just think there's a lot more to it than what the article mentions, and it, it does it does talk about some various reports and studies. Um, you know, it is the New York Times, so it's you know, like I don't want to discount it completely. Uh, I feel like I've used that word discount a lot. Um, but it, it's applicable in this situation. But, um, you know, again, as a realtor, as a real estate professional, Neil is professional, you know, like, like I said, you get what you pay for. I mean, and, and um, you know, we're going to go to bat for you. We're gonna do everything it takes to, to provide a super high level service. And as far as discounting on the buyer's side, to me, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense anyway. I mean, cause you're, the seller is paying for that commission anyway. So, I mean, if you're just giving it as a rebate, well, You know, I mean, that's your incentive to help these people is so you get paid at the end, you know, and, and, um, and and if you're taking that away, then, then what's my incentive? You know, like I, I, um, also like it's, it's just, they're factoring that into their price. I mean, it's, it, they're, you know, when they list their house, they know they're paying a buyer's agent, a commission. So I don't, you know, I don't really understand that aspect of it either, like, as a buyer's agent, why you'd want to, discount. I mean, you know, I, it's nice, I guess, to get some guaranteed money. They talk about paying an hourly rate to some agents. Um, you know, some agents who want to work for for a fee, for an hourly mm-hmm. fee, but um, that's great for the, for the seller or for the, I mean, so, you know, th- they feel like they're saving themselves money, but the buyer is really, um, you know, like the buyer wasn't responsible for paying for that anyway. Right. And, and so then you're, then you're asking a buyer to, to essentially come up with some sort of upfront cost, um, you know, and, and what if it doesn't work out? Like what if the deal doesn't happen? And so, I mean, I'd, I'd have a tough time believing that agents would generally agree to that because you know, what's, what's the likelihood that they're going to get paid if the buyer doesn't perform, you know? Um, so anyway, that's, that was all, you know, the article was written by a guy named Justin wolfers and it came out on october 24th and uh yeah it's in the it's called economic view it's in the business section of new york times feel free to check it out i just um i like the new york times generally i just i i don't know i when i see articles like that um that you know that i also put a lot of value in just you know the face to face you know we, we do live in a digital world we you know and as agents um we are real estate agents are always kind of on the quote unquote cutting edge of technology. We're always trying to look for the next best technology, the greatest things that are available to us to, you know, to help get us new business, but also to help service our clients. But um, to me, there's, there's still, you can never, I don't know, like Zillow can't, um, you know, provide you the same guidance and someone that has, you know, years of experience can, they can't be your friend. They can't, um, you know, there's no relationship with Zillow. There's no relationship with Trulia, you know? Right. And, and
0: as we've, we've seen, I don't, I think we talked about it on, on this show at one time, um, the CEO of Zillow sold his house for 40% less than his estimate said. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt when, when, uh, you want to sell your house and Zillow says it's worth $200,000. And the market says it's worth one seventy five. Right, your agent is going to know, and if you listed at two hundred thousand dollars, you're going to sit.
1: And sometimes it goes the other way. Sometimes, I mean, you know, like, um, sometimes they're they're looking at a property. You know, the property says the estimate is you know two fifty, but it's really worth three and a quarter. You know, so it's it, those things, those those um, automated valuation things. I mean, you really can't trust them.
0: You know, it, well, we ended up talking about some some real estate issues and and numbers that um, more than I expected to, but it's good to get back to our real estate roots on our podcast. Uh, It's always fun to talk about Cardinal Athletics and such. Go Cards. cards. Oh, um, I was also going to maybe bring up uh, UK Athletics, which is rare. Yeah, Um, yeah, which I don't usually bring them up, but uh, I don't know. If you don't know... What I'm talking about, just Google UK men's basketball, and you'll see. Uh, I don't like to spread the karma too, too bad because I know that once I do, we're gonna we're gonna take it on the chin. But uh, you know, U U of L has not had a lot to gloat about in the past few years, like some other uh, in-state teams have. Yeah. So um,
1: well, I'm I'm. I'm you know, I'm big on the karma thing and the not gloating, um, but this was historic. And if so, if you look at the numbers, um, you know, kind of what it meant, and it, it it probably means nothing in terms of how their season will turn out. That's and, right. That's the thing. That's the bottom. You know, one. so like we're not, you know, like just just so you know, at least my personal, I think I speak for Neil too. We know that UK is probably going to end up being one of the better teams in the country and and still have probably a strong tournament run. But if you just look at What Kentucky had done against unranked opponents in um, recent time and, you know, being a number one team in the country and how, you know, just it's amazing, honestly, how how often they've been ranked number one. Um, But their their record against unranked opponents at home, Cal's record against uh, unranked opponents at home uh, as the number one team, he's won like 110 games as the number one team in the country at home. So it just shows how often he's been the number one ranked team in the country. Uh, and I think that probably goes back to some UMass days too. But anyway, I mean, bottom line is Kentucky's a great program, and you know we're not trying to bash them. But it was historic if you look at it from from just the pure numbers of
0: it. Yeah, and it's fun for a little jab. I know plenty of UK fans that like to give us a jab here
1: and there too. For sure. So. And there's just so many more of them. You know, I would say there's there's uh, a holes in all fan bases, but in um you know in Kentucky in the state of Kentucky we're so vastly outnumbered. So it's, it, you know, they always say it's the vocal minority that, you know, gives a fan base kind of the, the reputation. And, um, but when you are outnumbered essentially 10 to one in your own state, it's, uh, you know, y- you just have to probably hear it a little bit more than, you know, than you do. And it, even in our own city, you know, it's like 60, 40, or, you know, some people say it's close to 50, 50 in terms of, you know, the U of UK split. So, um. You, know, you don't have that in Lexington you or really anywhere else in the state. Or right. if um, you know, or like uh, other big, big name, you know, Columbus, you know, they're pretty much all Ohio state there, you know, yeah. you get um, Austin, Texas. I mean, they're pretty much all UT um, Norman, Oklahoma, pretty much all OU. I mean, so you, you just don't have that with other big state, right. You know, like, and you've California.
0: got like Duke and North Carolina is the other that I can think of. That's even similar.
1: Right. And, and there's, um, you know, like they're all really close together and you've got, cause you've got North Carolina state, Duke, Wake forest and, um, and UN UNC mm-hmm. and they're all so close together that, you know, but, but obviously the, the big two being Duke and North Carolina, but yeah, I mean, we are the two premier programs in the state. We're really the only two, um, that are, you know, nationally known. And so, you know, like we're, and, we're, and Kentucky's just not that big of a state, so, you know, but but yeah, as U of L fans we we um you know, we've heard quite a bit and especially <laughs> in recent years with with um all the stuff that we've been through. And um, you know, people like to bash the bash the program and all this stuff, but you gotta remember as fans, you know, which is short for Fanatic, I mean we don't have anything to do with that. And um so I I'm I'm all for like some some poking fun and having a little you know, like but when people get so like literally fanatical within crazy maniacal. Uh, I think that takes the fun out of it for me anyway, because it's, you know, at the end of the day, you know, like if you were a UK fan, that wouldn't be the deciding factor whether or not I liked you. you right. know, um I have family that's UK fans. He doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't talk to them, but no, no it's <laughs> not true. But you know, it's, it's yeah. Like we just, you got to keep in perspective because in the grand scheme of things, it just doesn't matter that much. And I, and we, you know, as much as I love you, sports, I mean, you know, it was, I incorporated U uh, football's uh, opening, like the the song they walked out to, was the song I walked out to at my wedding. So, uh, <laughs> so my wife knew from the very beginning that um, you know U was pretty important to me. But, but in the grand scheme, of things, um, it's just you know it's just fun. You know that's what it should be, and you can have fun with the rivalry. But um, people, you know, stay away from the message boards if you if you don't want to see a bunch of really nasty stuff. Uh, that's true for a lot pe- of subjects for sure, people just take it way too far anyway, alright, I guess we've got to wrap it up yeah. um, we're good at rambling well,
0: um, yeah so, um, again uh, Malachi will uh, will be back and I appreciate Jeremy sitting in in the uh, co-host chair today uh, an, an admiral job was done and um, I think um it's, it's it's a good thing but uh it'll be uh malachi will be missed
1: yes sir well glad to do it and uh i think you know we kind of got off on the real estate thing um you know i know it's a real estate based podcast but there was just uh we don't have a guest today either so it was just you know this article came out and um so there was just it, it was just relevant today so hopefully you still enjoyed it and uh you know look forward to talking to you next time yeah We'll we'll be back, everybody.
0: uh, Have a good week. Thanks for listening to Talk About Town. Don't forget to like and follow us on social media. Our music was composed by Andrew Codeman. Make sure to join us next time. Malachi Hadley and Neil Cox are realtors with Smith & Wilson Realty.